this next phase of reopening is all about personal responsibility and accountability. It could be something that's really not consequential, um, or it could be something that has a serious effect on people's health. We just don't know at this point. Could asymptomatic carriers still be subject to long-term health consequences from COVID-19? Welcome to our ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Ben Higgins, and we're looking at the different ways the ongoing pandemic is having an effect on our community. In just a moment, we'll talk to a Scripps research scientist about new findings about people who are infected with the virus but don't get sick. But first, here are some of the top coronavirus headlines for Thursday, June 11th. We'll start with a story we've been monitoring all week. Health officials say they're now worried some areas in the U.S. will see a spike in new COVID-19 cases over the next few months. Doctors with the Global Health Institute say right now numbers show between 800 and 1,000 people dying every day in the U.S. They say based on that, they predict 100,000 more coronavirus-linked deaths in the U.S. by September. Health officials are now warning hospitals. Hospital leaders, they should be preparing for the next surge now so that we don't run into the problem of not having enough masks and personal protective equipment. I mean, it was a national disgrace that we ran out last time. Twelve states have seen coronavirus hospitalizations rise since Memorial Day, according to data from the COVID tracking project. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation now predicting that nearly 9,000 Californians may die due to the coronavirus by October 1st. This week's heat wave sparked several fires in San Diego, just as the Red Cross announced new procedures to help people who have to evacuate their homes due to a fire during the coronavirus pandemic. Evacuees will be sent to places including the parking lot at Mira Mesa High School. Parking lots will replace libraries and community centers as temporary evacuation points. People will be asked to wait in their cars and the Red Cross will use cell phones to talk to them while they wait. If people need a place to stay overnight, the Red Cross will try to find larger indoor areas or they'll use hotel rooms. They're much more costly, uh, but it's something, you know, we have a responsibility and it's our mission to provide sheltering and feeding to folks on what might be their worst day of their life. And we take that very seriously. The Red Cross say they have cleaning and social distancing plans in place. If a large shelter is needed, everyone will go through a health screening before they go in. San Diego bars, gyms, hotels, and movie theaters will all be allowed to officially reopen for business tomorrow. This is a big step forward. Um, and the next steps after this depend not on government. They will depend on each of us. This next phase of reopening is all about personal responsibility and accountability to not take unnecessary risks that could put others in harm's way. Um, this is crucial because we do not want to and we will not give up the gains that we have made as a city. That's San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer talking about the major sectors of our economy allowed to reopen tomorrow. The mayor warns that San Diegans need to stay committed to take precautions such as masks and social distancing in order to keep the coronavirus under control. He warned that it's still possible for our hospital system to be overwhelmed if people become irresponsible and allow COVID-19 to spread more widely. Mayor Falconer says today is the last day he'll hold a daily briefing on the response to coronavirus. As San Diego County continues its rebound from the coronavirus pandemic, many businesses will need to test their employees regularly for COVID-19. ABC 10 News reporter Jared Ahrens found a local medical startup 
that can bring the lab to you. Rolf Mueller and his wife Judy came up with the concept of a testing lab on wheels while looking for ways to safely test their own employees. They run a cancer diagnostic company and wanted their workers to be screened and safe. I don't want to have my, my employees going in an emergency room. They have to go in an area that is safe, which can be controlled, and there are not a lot of unhealthy people. And that is uh, the key. The van is a fully functional testing clinic. Mueller says they park it at a business and set it up in about 15 minutes. Employees register online beforehand, line up for their appointment, check in and get swabbed. The whole process takes less than three minutes per person. Mueller says it can go anywhere, test anyone. We can bring it to schools. We can bring it to church congregations. We can bring it to supermarkets. We can bring it to every single company where people work together. Results come back in about 24 hours. Mueller suggests companies test their employees every two weeks. And he adds this kind of mobile testing will be the key to getting everyone back to work. If we control communities, people who interact with each other all day long, then we can control virus outbreak. In Sorrento Valley, Jared Ahrens, ABC 10 News. The company says they follow all local, state, and national health laws. Prices for testing vary depending on the number of employees and how often companies want them to come back. Get ready for a bit of sticker shock the next time you go grocery shopping. A new report shows food prices are on the rise. It's all due to the coronavirus pandemic. That new government report shows meats, poultry, fish, and eggs were up nearly 4% in May. Beef was up by more than 10%. And data from market research firm Nielsen found a nearly 6% spike in food prices from March 1st through the end of May. Your canned goods and your pastas, they're, they're pretty normal from a price standpoint. It's the fresh stuff, the stuff that, uh, that has a, a very quick a perishable shelf life. That's the stuff that's going up from a price standpoint. Experts predict that prices will go down in less than a month. They say the best way to save right now is to buy in bulk from a local farmer or butcher. A getaway to the islands probably sounds pretty good right about now. However, Hawaii is extending its mandatory 14-day quarantine for all visitors to the island to the end of July. State officials say they need more time to find a proper screening process. They plan to install thermal screening stations and facial recognition technology at all airports by the end of the year. Those would only be used to track people within the airport during the screening process. Some people who violated quarantine rules have been arrested including a Los Angeles man who blogged about his travels. Speaking of travel, United Airlines is trying to make sure passengers don't have the coronavirus before being allowed to board one of their flights. United has become the first domestic carrier to require all passengers to complete a health questionnaire as part of the check-in process. It asks passengers to certify they've not experienced COVID-19 symptoms in the last 14 days or tested positive for the virus in the last 21 days. United is now requiring all passengers to wear face masks during the entire flight. Some new details about the USS Midway Museum's plans to reopen. They say they'll do that July 1st. The museum has been closed since March 16th due to the pandemic and says they'll be implementing some new rules to keep guests safe. They're launching a special ticketing system. Guests will purchase tickets online for a visit within a 30-minute window. They're also going to be checking temperatures of guests and staff and requiring everyone to wear a mask. Visitors will also only be allowed to tour the flight and hangar decks for the time being. As the economy continues to open up in several states and we're starting to see a rise in cases, 
continuing to gather information on the coronavirus. And joining me now from Scripps Research, behavioral scientist Daniel Oran. Daniel, it's good to have you today. How are you? Good, good. Great to be with you. Well, uh, you, you just put out a new study that suggests, and, and this is very interesting, that uh, around maybe 45% of COVID-19 cases are actually asymptomatic. First of all, tell me the research that went into coming up with a figure like that. Yeah, sure. You know, so first of all, asymptomatic means you're infected with a coronavirus, but you don't have any symptoms. Um, and, and just kind of a, a nerdy distinction, some folks are, are pre-symptomatic. It means that they will eventually develop symptoms, but they haven't yet. So we went and we looked at about 16 groups all over the world. And these were from Iceland and Indiana, um, Italy. Um, there was a, a nursing home, a cruise ship, homeless shelters, prisons. So really diverse settings. Um, and there was a wide range. We found that in a nursing home, for example, about 6% of people who were infected with the coronavirus had no symptoms. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, among the prison, prison inmates, about 96% of them, amazingly, had no symptoms, were infected. But the interesting thing was, in the middle, there were three studies that were what we call representative samples. Basically, that means that the, the researchers tried to reflect the population at large, randomly selecting the people in the study. In those studies, the numbers were really clustered around 40 to 45%. So we think the best estimate right now of how many people who are infected but never will develop symptoms is somewhere in that range of 40 to 45 percent. While we're making the distinction between asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic, um, another point that was made is that even if you're asymptomatic, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be doing some damage to your body. What was found there? Yeah, that's a really important point. There have been two studies now, one from Japan and one from South Korea, and the researchers did CT scans, imaging of people's lungs. What they found was there were what they call these ground glass opacities, which is kind of just a funny way of saying on the image, it looked kind of hazy. And that haziness on the picture means there's something wrong with the lung there. Um, what's wrong exactly? It's unclear. And the most important thing, we don't really know the long-term impact of that. It could be something that's really not consequential, um, or it could be something that has a serious effect on people's health. We just don't know at this point. They call these subclinical findings, which means that both the doctor and the patient probably will not be aware of them unless they actually have a CT scan. Um, so it could be concerning. It could mean that even though you have no symptoms when you get infected, it doesn't mean you're, it really is risk-free or harm-free. There could be some serious side effect which means, you know, take precautions. It's not a good thing to be infected, you know, whether you're young or old. Um, you know, we saw today, for example, there was an interesting story of a young woman in, in Chicago in her 20s, um, apparently no underlying health conditions, contracted the coronavirus in April. She needed a, a double lung transplant. That's how serious um, the, the damage was to her lungs. So this is a new disease. We're four or five or six months into this, just learning a lot about it. Um, and I think the message is, you know, be cautious. There's a lot we don't know yet. There has been some difference of opinion about how easily asymptomatic carriers can transmit to the disease to someone else. Uh, uh, the WHO had a doctor uh, earlier this week who said it was rare. Yesterday on this podcast, we heard Dr. Anthony Fauci kind of walk those comments back. A as you've looked through the research and compiled some of these studies, can you make any um, inferences about the, the passing of the disease from an asymptomatic carrier to another person? 
Yeah, you know, one important thing to know is that nearly half of the infections we believe, one study said it was 44% of infections take place, the transmission takes place before people have symptoms. So that's kind of an important fact to realize. This distinction of asymptomatic or, or presymptomatic, it's kind of a subtle thing. You know, the detail about folks who are asymptomatic actually perhaps having damage to their lungs might mean that the symptoms people have are so subtle, maybe perhaps an elevated heart rate or something like that, you're not even aware of it. So I think the bottom line is we know that a lot of the transmission is happening when people do not have symptoms, whether they're pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic, maybe that really is not even an important distinction. The important thing to know is just because someone looks and feels fine, they in fact might be infected and may possibly be able to, to get some other people sick. That's the important thing. In conclusion, Daniel, what can the findings here from Scripps Research tell us about the need for testing and possibly the efficacy of wearing facial coverings? Yeah, you know, the important thing is to cast the net a lot more widely than we are currently. Over the last few months, mainly we've encouraged folks who have symptoms to go in and get tested, and that's been a result of the lack of capacity for testing. But now as more and more testing capacity is available, it really is important to cast the net a lot more widely and make sure that as many people, especially essential workers, whether they're the healthcare workers or folks who are working in retail stores who are contacting a lot of people that have those people tested so we really can catch the folks um, you know, who um, possibly are infected yet have no symptoms. In terms of masks, I think the data about asymptomatic status and potentially asymptomatic spread means it's more important than ever to be wearing those masks when you're outside of your household. Um, it really is to uh, protect others and also to um, potentially, to some extent, protect yourself as well. So wearing a mask, we think, makes a lot of sense. Getting scientific today on the podcast. I even used the word efficacy. I don't know where that came from. Uh, talking with behavioral scientist Daniel O'Ran from Scripps Research. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure to join you. We're also seeing more good news as the process of rebounding from the pandemic continues. Phil Mickelson, one of the stars on the course this week as the PGA Tour plays its first event since the pandemic started. The tour is resuming with the annual tournament at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. There are no fans allowed, although the PGA will allow fans at events beginning next month. First-round leader at 7-under is Justin Rose, who won the 2019 Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. San Diego's Xander Shoffley is two shots back. Mickelson was 1-under in his opening round. San Diego still faces a long road to recovery even after the pandemic subsides. ABC 10 News is committed to helping San Diegans rebound from the turmoil created by the coronavirus. Getting back on our feet, finding jobs, resources, and creative solutions to rebuild. Together, we'll find a way. For stories and more information on how we bounce back, go to 10news.com rebound. That's all for today. I'm Ben Higgins.